From Washington, this is CQ on Congress, the nonpartisan source for in-depth analysis of Capitol Hill's policy debates. I am Sean Zeller. The last time U.S. regulators brought a major antitrust action against a tech firm was more than 20 years ago, in 1998, when the Justice Department and state attorneys general sued Microsoft for using its dominance in computer operating systems to promote its web browser, Internet Explorer, over the then-dominant Netscape Navigator. But with concerns about privacy and stifled competition growing, Amazon, Google, and Facebook are getting new scrutiny. Senator Elizabeth Warren, the Massachusetts Democrat running for president, has a detailed plan to break them up, while David Cicilline, the Democrat who chairs the House Antitrust Subcommittee, wants the Federal Trade Commission to investigate. We're going to get the details today from Dean DeSharo, CQ and Roll Call's tech reporter, and Patrick Pexton, our tech editor. Dean wrote a piece this month for Roll Call on how the, quote, gigantism of big tech forces a fresh look at antitrust. Welcome, Dean and Patrick. Thank you. Thanks, Sean. So, Dean, the big news was Elizabeth Warren's plan. It's got two prongs. What does she want to do? So what Senator Warren is proposing is both legislation and then administrative action. Uh, she wants to push through a bill uh, and sign it into law that would essentially make it illegal for large tech firms, the one that she's talked about are Amazon, Google, and Facebook, from owning companies that operate on their platforms. So Amazon Marketplace, Google's Ad Exchange, Google Search, uh, are platform utilities that she's envisioning under this law. So those would essentially have to be spun off into uh, separate companies. And Dean, how does it work? I mean, why is it a problem? Tell us about, for example, Amazon Marketplace and why she's troubled by what Amazon does with that. So essentially, uh, Amazon, for instance, will manufacture their own products in certain uh, retail sectors. And so if they see that something is uh, selling particularly well, because the marketplace, their Amazon own. Marketplace is a place where uh, little firms can sell their products. Yes, correct. So if Amazon sees that something may be selling particularly well, theoretically, they could make their own version of that thing and bump it to the top of search results uh, and control the price of it. I see. And she's defining uh, these are companies that have to have a certain amount of revenue, a certain amount of power in the marketplace, these platform utilities that she's... Yes. And they're companies that have operated in the past two decades sort of on this merger and acquisition model that has become common in Silicon Valley uh, and which has sort of become the norm since the Microsoft case. And so the second part of her plan is to appoint commissioners to the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, who, in her words, are committed to breaking up past mergers that these companies have pulled off. Right. FTC and the DOJ are the two agencies that have uh, the authority to bring antitrust cases. Right. And so essentially, she's, she's talked about forcing Amazon to divest from Whole Foods uh, and Zappos, the shoe company. Facebook, she wants them to divest from WhatsApp and Instagram. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg has recently talked about a plan to combine all three of those into one uh, messaging platform, which has raised its own antitrust uh, concerns. And then Google would have to divest from Waze, Nest, and Double. These are all companies that these tech giants have bought over the years. And part of her case is that little startups now uh, can't rise to become tech giants because they'll get bought by one of these It's about all those little businesses and startup businesses and entrepreneurs who want to put their products on Amazon or on Google. 
and who are at an enormous competitive disadvantage because Amazon or Google, if they like the money they see that you're making, they decide to go into competition with you and put their product on page one and your product back on page six. And and in doing so, competition goes down. And the, 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 the backbone of antitrust law is to ensure competition because competition is thought of as being ultimately better for the consumer. Okay, Patrick, I read Warren's piece where she laid this all out in Medium, and I was struck that she argues that the Justice Department's case against Microsoft is what allowed for the rise of Google. And as I recall it, Microsoft argued at the time that the tech industry was so dynamic that it was impossible to know where the next big breakthrough was coming from. And in a way, Google's rise seemed to confirm that because Google was not a um, search engine. It was a web browser that you accessed through Microsoft's Internet Explorer. And its success as a web browser allowed it to expand into other areas. So, for example, the, the creation of Google Chrome, which ultimately displaced Microsoft as the, um, as the web browser of choice for most people. And so... It strikes me Microsoft had a pretty good case. Uh, how are the tech companies defending themselves now? Are they making that same argument? I think they do make that same argument that this is still a young industry uh, developing in ways we cannot predict and we don't want to kill the goose who lays the golden eggs. That's still the fundamental argument they're making. But I think that argument is becoming stale because these companies we all know are so pervasive in our lives. Google ads, Google search. Facebook, WhatsApp, Amazon is in a range of businesses. I think that and combined with the privacy issues, with the scandals involving Facebook and how much they don't keep track of people's private data or let it loose to other app developers, I think this has reached critical mass, certainly in Congress, that this may be time to do something. We may be at a moment like the 1890s where we're going to start breaking up when we broke up railroads and Stanford Oil that maybe we want to break up these huge tech conglomerates, which are, they are those firms of, of today. And, and something else that you hear a lot from Amazon, uh, especially, is that they still view themselves sort of as the uh, singular businesses that they started out as. You know, Amazon started out as an online bookseller. Now they're, they still think of themselves first and foremost as a retailer. And, and the company is fond of saying that in the U.S. retail market, they only control a 4% four, four share, and it's only a 1% share of the global retail market. So how could they possibly be a monopoly? How could they possibly be controlling the standard? But the thing is, is that these companies are so far removed from what they once were, and a good example for Amazon is that they also own Amazon Web Services, which is now the fifth biggest software company in the country. Right, cloud computing. Dean, it's also assumed that antitrust is a tool the government should use when monopolies have pricing power. They're raising prices. But much of what these tech companies offer is free. Amazon has dominated because of its low prices. So how does Warren justify a case when these firms can legitimately say that they've benefited consumers? Right. And so this is sort of where we come to this new thinking in antitrust. Uh, there's sort of a, a new trend of ways to think about this. And it's sort of to contend with the fact that we don't pay a monthly bill to use Facebook. Critics of these companies have come to, come to say that we, in fact, are the product. But uh, this new thinking isn't so tied to the price point. Um, in the 70s, 
you had uh, conservative scholar Robert Bork uh, came around to thinking that the, the, the price is the most important thing. So as long as prices are low, businesses are efficient, the customer is benefiting, now you've got a new type of thinking that suggests that there are other ways that these companies, regardless of price point, uh, are coming to dominate their own markets. You had a, a antitrust scholar who's named Lena Khan, who is something of sort of a... Recently hired up on the Hill, right? Recently hired on the Hill by David Cicilline, the, the antitrust, antitrust subcommittee, uh, subcommittee chair. Um, and she wrote an article for the Yale Law Journal in 2017, and um, it's called something like the, the New Paradox of, um, of Antitrust, and she focused on, on Amazon. Uh, and, and her whole thinking is that there have to be new ways to regulate these companies because they are either free services and you pay in other ways. There have to be new ways to go right. about Right. I mean, their dominance them. is such that like half of the web retailing is through Amazon, which means small retailers aren't getting that business. And right. All of the advertising dollars are going now to Google and Facebook, a huge percentage of them, which is costing other businesses that rely on advertising. Um, so, I mean, and those things aren't factored into the price point issue. Correct. You're listening to CQ on Congress. You can find this podcast at rollcall.com or your favorite podcast app. I'm talking today with CQ and Roll Call's Dean DeSharo and Patrick Pexton about the lawmakers suggesting antitrust action against the big tech companies. Patrick, another element of this that I think is interesting is that the tech firms have, have long been associated with the Democratic Party, the uh, socially liberal approach, uh, libertarian in their fiscal uh, approach. And so Elizabeth Warren, in taking them on as she's running for president, is basically saying, um, I don't want your support. I don't want your money, right? Yes. This is really a departure. The Democrats have always been the darlings of Silicon Valley, and they've been uh, often Democratic votes were key to in the early days of the internet, in the 90s, in the early aughts, where Democrats in Congress were key to blocking any regulation of uh, and any taxation of internet companies. Uh, and over the years, they've gotten substantial amounts of money, individual donations from Silicon Valley entrepreneurs, from Silicon Valley employees. I mean, it has been a tight, tight embrace between Democrats and uh, Silicon Valley. That, I think, probably is going to lessen a little bit because of these kinds of antitrust concerns, because I think there's a point now where people feel they are too pervasive in our lives, and because of the privacy concerns, which are genuine, and people are beginning to think that, gosh, uh, if I am the product and my information, my personal information is the product they're really uh, using, uh, and also with the invent of uh, artificial intelligence, will make mining that data even easier, I think there's uh, concerns. But if you're running for president and you're a Democrat, uh, and there's a lot of them, uh, and they've been close to Silicon Valley, Kamala Harris uh, for many years is an example. Cory Booker's thought to be very close. Yeah, them. so what do you do? Where do you, uh, do you replace that chunk of money? Uh, it's a big question. I think something that Patrick touched on that's really important here in terms of looking at how uh, criticism of these companies has become bipartisan the fact that these companies aren't just so big and powerful, but they are tech companies that have such access to our private information, you're now seeing privacy concerns and antitrust concerns being married into sort of one issue. I mean, you have folks like uh, Richard Blumenthal, Senate Democrat from Connecticut, and Josh Hawley, the, 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 the new Republican the, the Senator new Republican, from Missouri. Yeah, is um, 
they're sort of thinking of privacy and antitrust as, uh, you know, if not one in the same, at least uh, tied together pretty significantly. So, Dean, you raise how Republicans are also going after the tech firm. So it's like the tech firms don't have a political home anymore, perhaps. Yeah, they're sort of um, out there on their own at this point. I mean, they do have the support of folks who think that antitrust uh, law as it is interpreted currently is pretty much okay. Mike Lee, who is David Cicilline's counterpart, he's the the, the chairman Utah of the, Republican Senator. Utah. He chairs the the relevant committee in yeah. the Senate. And and he his 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 thoughts are that as long as prices stay the same, sort of that Borkian philosophy. And at a recent hearing, he basically said that this is a quote: "Weaponizing antitrust enforcement to police subjective concerns." rather than the objective concern for consumers would have very broad and serious repercussions. So there are certainly those who, while maybe not a friend to tech, are certainly concerned about the idea of weaponizing uh, antitrust in a way that hasn't been done in the past few decades. I also think that uh, the antitrust and privacy thing go hand in hand. There's certainly more sentiment in Congress for doing privacy first, for passing a national privacy regulation bills, similar to what the Europeans passed last year. And I think that tech companies are more likely to go along with the privacy regulation and hope that that will forestall any antitrust act. Now, Patrick, speaking of the Europeans, uh, America has thus far taken a much more lenient stance with the tech companies than the Europeans have. You had the European Union, in fact, this week, levy a $1.7 billion fine against Google. Uh, what was that about, and why have the Europeans taken such a more stringent stand? I think this is the third fine that has been levied by the European Union against Google, and almost all of the cases were about market power. Too much uh, power over the search engines, too much power over advertising, and too much power over retail. You know, A lot of retail goes through Google as well. And I think the total amount of fines is in the tens of billions that the Googles had to pay to the European Union. And under the regulation that Europe passed last year, the general protection on uh, data regulation, there are very strong privacy protections for Europeans. They very, also did the right to be forgotten, right? That it, you, could, exactly. you could ask that your data be deleted, deleted from their search You could actually become a non-person mm-hmm. online if you really push it in Europe. And I think uh, what will happen in this country will not be as uh, uh, strict as what passed in Europe. But I think both Democrats and Republicans, uh, particularly in the Senate, are ready to do some regulation. Well, is the European approach having an effect here? Is it influencing lawmakers and the proposals that they're developing? Absolutely. And uh, the, the European Union regulation is powerful enough, that market is powerful enough, that U.S. firms have to pay attention to it. They have to abide by it. Just uh, anecdotally, my wife sells products online, and she got a letter from Ireland, which is in the European Union, saying, we're just not going to... Uh, accept uh, sales or products anymore because you're not complying with GDPR and it would be a nightmare for her to comply with GDPR. So uh, there are some side effects here. (laughs) There are indeed. Well, thank you both for joining the show today. We appreciate it. And thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to our producer, Tula Vlahu. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, NPR One, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Or you can find it at rollcall.com. And please rate us on iTunes. For more on this and other stories, visit RollCall.com or find us on Twitter at CQNow or at RollCall.